while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. shoelaces it's in like the marvelous mazel whatever this show is i have not seen it but it keeps showing up on my like instagram feed and i just can't stop listening to it and so i wanted to start my show off with it um not my show it's marcus and chris's show i'm jess i'm just filling in for the guys tonight i believe they'll be back in studio tomorrow everything will go back as usual but until then you're gonna get a um you know Three hours of uh, Jess breaking down uh, news stories of the day. Uh, I need five grand. I'd like to give a tip to the people at Hawthorne Toll Brothers. Uh, you burned your own building down. <laughs> That's the tip. Can I collect? When do I collect? Uh, besties, we have to start the show with the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's do that. Uh, if you are at home, please stand. If you're driving, please drive responsibly. But I'm not kidding. Get up. Don't sit down during the pledge. That's rude. I can see you. Okay, let's do this. Um, Guys, you're going to die. The fruit fly is back. (laughs) We have talked about this fruit fly. Whenever I am in the studio, I don't see it. I sit down and now he's hovering around the microphone. I'm going to eat him. Like he, please, sir, did we come up with a nickname for this guy? Did we call him Kevin? Like what is this one lone fruit fly? How does he survive this whole time? Hi, bestie. Please stay away from my mouth. All right, as we were, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, welcome to the South Coast tonight. I'm your host, Jess. Um, this fruit fly, I, I may have to take it out. As much as I've bonded with it, it's just it's getting too close. Uh, gorgeous day again, besties. Back-to-back days of sun, mild weather. I think we have a whole week of that, if I remember correctly. I mean, I think it's looking great all week long. Um, these are the best days. May, uh, right into the start of June, these are the best days. And I love them, and I wish they were all like this, not complaining. Um 
I am going to talk to you today at the first hour about uh, this theory I have on E. Jean Carroll and her story about Trump raping her. Um, if you haven't watched the news today or you haven't been on your phone and you're just listening to the radio, if no one has told you yet, um, the Manhattan uh, jurors in this case with E. Jean Carroll, um, it's a civil case, not a criminal case. They had a three-hour deliberation today on uh, the purported rape that took place in a Bergdorf Goodman uh, fitting room. Uh, and they found that Trump was uh, guilty of sexual assault or abuse, but not of rape. I'm going to break that down for you. I'm also going to play a soundbite for you of, of something that I found in my internet uh, hole digging. And I think you'll find it interesting. You may have to have some homework. I'm going to send you over to Twitter so you can follow it and see. Um, 508-996-0500 is the number you can call to chat with me. Uh, you can send messages to App Chat because I know you guys are all doing a great job and going to the WBSM app. However, I have no access to them. Um, and uh, don't forget, you can listen to us on 1420 AM and also 99.5 FM. That has been my, my go-to lately. It comes in better over in Somerset. Somerset or some are not. Some some are set and some are not. By the way, this Saturday, the Jess Machado show uh, is all about Somerset. There's a bunch of stuff going on in Somerset, but one of the things is a an event called Food Cella, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. If you have not heard of Food Cella, it's a little personal to me because I came up with the name Food Cella, and I'm going to tell you that story as well. And we're going to talk about the E. Jean Carroll piece as well. Um, I wanted to say. Tell you a little story, story time. Okay. So my dad, I've talked, I think on my show quite a bit about my, my dad. My dad was a Purple Heart uh, recipient, Vietnam veteran. Um, I didn't meet my dad until I was 18. Well, I saw him when I was little up until I was three and then long time passed. And then I saw my dad again when I was 18. Um, and I had a very, um, I would say amicable relationship with my dad. You know, I, on the surface, just took my dad for what he was worth, right? He was a loner. He was a fisherman. He was always on a boat. Couldn't always find him. Chances are, if you were looking for him, you could find him on a boat. You could find him at a bar or you can find him at a poker table. Um, and so, uh, you know, listen, I loved my dad. I think all of my worst qualities come from him, but I embrace them. I love all of those things about me. Anyway, my dad was a fisherman. When my dad passed away, I had the task of going through all of his things. And in a, a storage unit that um, he had, he had a bunch of fishing poles. And so I immediately knew I wasn't going to get rid of them. I wanted to take them. Fun fact, I've never been fishing in my life. Don't know how, don't know anything about it. And so, you know, my dad died at, at just leading into COVID. And so I've had these fishing poles in my house and they were in my basement. And last year I took them out and I kind of like looked at them and I was like, I don't know, what am I going to do? I get, a, I, get a, I want to use them, but I don't know how to use them. And so I put them away. I didn't do anything with them. This year I was like, I'm determined. I, I want to fish with my dad's poles. I don't know anything about them. So I started looking them up and then I watched like a bunch of YouTube videos like on how to fish. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was super obscure. There was nothing really specific. It was none of it made sense to me and I just didn't get it. Um, but I took the poles out and I, I kind of wiped them all down and had them on my, my back deck in my sunroom. 
Every morning I start my day, and I, I said this yesterday or maybe, I don't know, one day I was talking about this on the air. I drop my kids off at school, my daughter off at school, and I always go down to the boat ramp in Somerset. It is a very peaceful, quiet place. I love the water. I love the space. I highly recommend starting your day like this. If you can't go somewhere, do it at home. And I get out of the car, I stretch, I breathe. And I know that sounds super campy and cheesy, but I'm telling you, just in my old age of 47, I just, I swear by it. And I I try not to miss a day, but I go down to the boat ramp. Well, as the spring started to come in, I noticed that there were people that were fishing. Um, men would be bringing their trucks and they'd be sitting, um, you know, in their cars and they'd have poles set up. And so I guess maybe a month ago, I talked to a guy and I said, you know, my dad has some poles or whatever. And he's like, well, let me show you. And he kind of showed me a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, he wasn't the best teacher and he looked like he was a little aggravated. The guy worked third shift and uh, he he comes after he works his third shift before he has to go home. And so once he told me that, I was like, oh, I don't want to bother him. But for the past couple of weeks, I've seen this other guy there, a little bit younger. Um, and listen, the guy's got a setup. He's got poles sticking out of the back of his truck. Uh, he was, you know, on his phone. You know, I just went over. I, so I, I've seen him there, you know, for the past couple of weeks. So I brought two of my dad's poles in my car today, which was not actually an easy feat because it turns out they don't fit into a Hyundai. Um, and so I brought them down and I just walked right over to the guy's truck and I said, hi. I said, my name is Jess. I said, and this is going to sound really crazy. And I told him the story about my dad and I said, and you know, I never got to go fishing, but I would like to learn. Could you just give me a couple of pointers? And the guy got out of his truck and he's like, yep, bring your poles over. So he's like, wow, this is a great pole. This is, this is really great. And he's like, do you know how to do anything? And I was like, I don't. And he taught me everything. The guy spent an hour with me this morning, had absolutely no obligation to do it. And he just sat there and talked me through every part of these poles and the reels, the bait, everything. He, it was just, it was a great hour. And then he was like, you're ready to try. So we took the hooks off and he just, he put a weight on one of mine. Um, and he's like, I want you to do it like this. And he did a couple times. And then I went off to the side and I cast it out into the river and it like flew. Like it, it, like I did it right, like fast. And it was far. I'm very excited. My hands are shaking. I'm like, it was fast and it was far. And he was like, whoa. And I was like, was that great? And he's like, that was really good. You're sure you haven't done this before? That's all I needed to hear. I was like, nope, I've never done it before. He goes, all right, try it again. Reel it in. So then I reel it in and I do it again. He's like, that's how it's supposed to sound. That's how it's supposed to look. And I was so excited. And he's like, why don't you just stay here and practice for a little bit? So I moved off to the side. I would say nine out of the 10 all went in the right direction. At one time I crossed his lines and he had to reel his in. We got to, he let me bait them with the worms and everything. By the way, worms are like a dollar each now. I I don't know why I thought you could just buy a bucket of these worms for like five bucks, but like they're literally like 11 for a dozen is what he told me. That's absolutely, uh, no, wait, a dozen for $11. That's insane. That's a lot of money for worms. So anyway, that I get to do all that. And um, then when I was done, I just stood off to the side and I was just casting for, you know, like a half hour over and over and over again until my finger hurt. And um, when I was done, I went over to him and I was like, oh, here, why don't you, you know, I'll take the weight off. He goes, no, no, you keep the weight. I've got plenty. I was like, thanks. And he's like, you did great, kid. And I was like, thanks. He's like, your dad would be proud. And I was like, 
Thank you. And that was my story. A complete stranger who had absolutely no reason to listen to me took time out of his morning in my favorite spot to teach me how to cast, how to reel in, um, all about the anchors, uh, I mean, the weights and everything and just broke it all down. But he was such a great teacher. He, I, I mean, it could, <laughs> the chances of it being somebody that could speak clearly and slowly and have the patience to let me ask questions. I mean, I just really lucked out unless all fishermen are like this, which I highly suspect they are. Um, and it was just a really great morning and I'm very thankful, but I'm also super excited because I'm going to go back tomorrow and maybe I'll try to catch something this time. Maybe I'll just practice again, but it was a really great morning. Um, and so to Paul from Somerset who lives on County Street, uh, thanks for taking the time this morning. This girl appreciates it very, very much. I have a caller that has been waiting through that whole story. I'm sorry to make them wait, but let's go to the lines. Hi, caller. Thanks for holding yeah, your life. Good evening, Jess. Hi. Uh, it's good to listen to your fishing story there. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I've been watching C-SPAN 3 and... Oh, what's going I'm on? I'm still watching it. It's going to resume uh, the bill, the border security bill. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's very troubling. And uh, one thing, one quote from Representative, uh, Representative Tom McClintock, mm-hmm. he says, uh, since Joe Biden's been in the White House... Uh, the United States has become a vast international territory with no borders. That's got to be yeah. one of the most uh, one of the most eye-opening quotes uh, that I've heard so far. I'd agree. Uh, 1.5 million migrants that are coming over seeking uh, immunity. Yep. Uh, there's no proof. They just say they're fleeing whatever country they're coming from mm-hmm. with no proof. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been uh, border patrollers had uh, five million encounters with uh, with those uh, pe- people who have no legal stale- status whatsoever. And uh, this is amazing that this continues to go on. Nothing's being done. And if you listen to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, mm. he's telling you that uh, it's been taken care of. And then uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre said that uh, 90% of the border has been secure. No, I mean, I I was watching videos the other day of the trash that is being left along the banks of these rivers where these migrants are crossing. I mean, it is a war zone. These people are just coming over. They're leaving everything there on the, on the sides of the, the riverbank. I mean, it's it's literally disgusting. I've never seen anything. I mean, maybe the streets of San Francisco, but it, I mean, it is really, really disgusting. Um, right. That, that and uh, the cartels are making thousands of dollars trafficking mm-hmm. uh children into this country and mm-hmm. the other quote well, really good quote by representative ralph, ralph norman uh, from south carolina fifth district he says if borders don't work then why don't you just leave your your doors unlocked at home right as a matter of fact leave them open better matter of fact take your doors off because you're not going to need them right if the borders don't work just let people in your house I, I mean, I, I honestly, I feel as if there's so many other things in the news that the border stuff kind of gets pushed to the bottom. Um, you know, the last time I think we really were focusing on this was back when 
DeSantis sent those migrants over to Martha's Vineyard and it, it started to get a little bit of like attention. But I mean, if you talk to these guys down there, I mean, especially Sheriff Hodgson, by the way, who, you know, very eloquently, consistently explained how you can connect what's going on with the border to the drug issues that we have here in New England. Um, you know, for people up here to think that it has nothing to do with them, they're completely detached from it. It's crazy. It affects every uh, community oh, because that's where the drugs are coming from. I mean, they're you coming know, across the, the border. The same representative, uh, Ralph Norman from South Carolina, mm-hmm. says he they have about a population of 5 million. The fentanyl that's coming mm-hmm. over the border is enough to kill 2.5 million yeah. of, of the population in South Carolina. Mm. Unbelievable. So no borders. You don't have borders. You don't have a country. No. Nope. So under Biden, I, you know, the country has become a vast international territory with no borders. And all kinds of people from all over the world coming here, mm-hmm. especially people who want to do harm. Mm-hmm. And this can't continue to, uh, we can't continue to let this happen. We're going to have no country left. I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm hoping that there's a change in our leadership in 2024 and, and President Trump will be back and he can make some yeah. changes again. That's well, the if, best we can right. hope for. And the last thing, Jess. Yes. Uh, if people want to tune in, uh, they just resume now on uh, C-SPAN 3. I think it's channel 249. Okay. On the border security, if people are interested in hearing uh, the commentary, okay. but you have a have a good night. Thanks for filling us in, Bestie. All right, guys, let's take our break. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. When we get back, let's break down this. Um, we've got other stuff too that's going on. The Hunter Biden stuff is is pretty much coming to a head. We're probably going to see an indictment on these uh, gun charges and his taxes. We're going to talk about that too. But I want to um, play you a couple clips about this E. Jean Carroll um, rape accusation that she uh, levied against President Trump. Uh, he was found guilty of uh, sexual abuse uh, today. Um, but not rape. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Jess. I'm filling in for the guys. They'll be back tomorrow. Let's go to the phone lines before we uh, start talking about uh, the uh, the ruling today in the Trump uh, ac- rape accusation case. Uh, but let's go to the lines. Hi, caller. Thanks for holding. Oh, let's try. Hi, caller. Mm. Hi, caller. Thanks for holding. Yeah, hi. Hi. I have a sense of frustration of that caller. He's a very good caller. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, I fact check him. He's hundred percent all the time, and I uh, I I'm in line with what he's saying uh, about the border. Mm. Now today, the president of Mexico met with the president of the United States, and the, the main concern was the treatment of workers uh, picking crops in Florida. DeSantis was the subject of the conversation. How cruel he is, and as uh, a layman who doesn't know anything, I would say, Mr. President of Mexico. When you stop the fentanyl, we'll work on that problem in Florida that you perceive. As a matter of fact, when you send us all everything you get from the drug gangs that you bust, start sending it to us. We'll have the CIA, FBI, anybody pick it up. We'll have military pick it up and just constantly bring it into our country and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you start doing that, because you're not in bed with the cartels, isn't that right, Mr. President? Mm. You're not as bad as they are, but it keeps going on. Right. When you start doing something, 
that uh, might affect uh, uh, 80,000 deaths a year of our young children. Uh, maybe we'll worry about your hundreds of workers in Florida. I guess the That's only thing I'll say to the, you know the only thing I'll say to that is, you know, we can't wait around for that, and 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 I think that's a great notion. But I mean, in the meantime, it's not a notion, secure. It's a plan. But in but in the meantime, secure the border. But I'm, I'm what it's I'm saying is, I know. But what I'm saying is, in the meantime, secure the border. Why do we have you to make a deal with them? What do you mean we have to make a deal with Mexico to keep like no? I mean, we these are our borders. This is our country. We need to to. They're Mexico's borders too, and they ought to get the twenty five thousand troops back that Trump put there. Mexican soldiers guarding the border to keep people out of Texas, all up and down the line to California. Twenty five thousand. That's what Trump got accomplished. Mexican soldiers, and uh, that was very very effective with forty two in place also. The other thing I would tell the president of Mexico is if you don't stop this fentanyl problem, you're going to have Black Hawk helicopters over all your capital cities, all your big-time cities, just doing surveillance. These are not balloons, Chinese balloons. You're going to have Black Hawk helicopters as an everyday event. That's, that's never going to happen under the Biden administration. Well, why is that not going to happen? Under the Biden administration? He doesn't care about the border. He's let, He's letting these people just walk right in. What does he care? He doesn't care. It's not about one man. It's about a party. I, the Democratic Party in the government is over three million people. If if you want to take three million a, people with an official stamp that can change things at any time they want to, we have a Republican Party sitting on their ass just laughing up their sleeves because they don't care either. So when you got apathy all around the board, uh, the only place to start is maybe vigilante. Like, let's go up in the mountains, 2,000 of us, or 1,500 of us, like to send them 1,500 troops to the border to take care of this influx that's going to happen this sometime this or next week. Mm. Why don't we just go up in the mountains and collect rattlesnakes and everything and then let them loose on the border and let nature take care of things? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't no, you that. don't know, but I do know. What? I'm a veteran. I've been around. Why are you snapping it? Why are you snapping at me? Don't snap at me. Because you're playing. Because you're playing things like these are notions. This ain't tinfoil hat time. Listen. This ain't. This ain't. I've seen uh, Bigfoot run across uh, the Rio Grande. Listen. No, no, we're not talking Listen. baloney. There's only a couple times in in my day to day life where I'm going to let a man yell at me, and it's not going to be on the radio. I'm not yelling. You don't know what yelling is. Get disciplined. <laughs> okay, Dad. It's fine. You're very angry, and I, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying. I just don't. I don't see it as practical. <laughs> oh, maybe if he was maybe like forty years younger, he could yell at me like that. But it's not happening, Grandpa. Um, all right, let's let's get to work, shall we? Okay, let's go to, geez, Louise. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter today and I was actually, I was listening to Howie Carr um, and we had Toby from Cape Gunworks was filling in for Howie. He's fine. He's recovering. If anybody was listening yesterday, um, oh my God, there's a child running through the parking lot alone and now there's a dad running after. She's, oh my God. Get a hold of your child. How did that child span the whole parking lot? <laughs> what on earth? Uh, <laughs> anyway, 
Um, so Howie fainted on air yesterday. He is sick. He has a stomach bug. Uh, you know, he was pushing himself to, to work. Um, and he, uh, just, he fainted. And so he went to the hospital. He was released last night. He's doing well. But Toby uh, was filling in for him today. And, um, while I had just tuned in, the, the news had broken that a jury in this case with E. Jean Carroll and President Trump, where she accused him of rape going back 30 years ago, uh, they came to a, uh, a, uh, a decision. The jury had this case for about three hours. They came back and they found him, um, responsible for sexual abuse or assault. Um, and, you know, some other little things with like, I don't know, lying about like it or whatever. But they did not find him, uh, like responsible for raping her. And so, Anyway, we're going to break that down and people are asking what is the difference? Why was, you know, either he raped her or he didn't? We're going to talk about that. Um, but I was on Twitter and I was looking at this and I found someone who commented and said there was an episode of Law and Order back in the early 2000s and they talked about someone getting raped in a fitting room at Bergdorf Goodman while trying on lingerie. And that sent me down a hole. I was looking at all of the, um, all of the, uh, episodes for SVU going all the way back, trying to find it. I found it. I had to pay to buy it on YouTube. I had to buy this episode um, and then isolate the clip. And the essence of this, you know, um, episode was there was a uh, judge and he was on a website where women could put up their sexual fantasies and people could um, like either anonymously or whatever, they could partake in them and fulfill these sexual fantasies. And this judge, you know, behind the scenes of his, you know, very honorable day-to-day job was going online and fulfilling the fantasies of this girl. And ultimately, what really happened was people were setting up a girl and she, she got sexually assaulted, but it was someone else that put it online. I know it's hard to follow. But at one point in the episode, they are having this guy go through the women that he interacted with and the requests that women had put in or that he had put into this website. And in episode 11 in season 13, which aired in January of 2012, they actually say the exact same story that E. Jean Carroll had said to... um you know, to about her story with Trump. It's almost, it's the exact same thing. And I found this to be extremely crazy. What are the chances that this woman is accusing Trump in 20, well, I'm going to find the date, but after this aired, by the way, she didn't accuse him publicly until after 2012 um, of exactly what is being discussed in here. And even further than this, is and I'll play the clip of this as well. Her interview with Anderson Cooper, where she talks about how she believes most people think rape is sexy, and how that aligns with this clip. So listen to this. It's only a twenty-five second clip from this episode of SVU, um, where a character is talking about, uh, and you know, uh, this isn't real, uh, an assault that took place at Bergdorf Goodman's. Let's play this. Did anyone want to role play a rape with you in a public place? 
Yes, there was one a bit plain, and it was not her fantasy, it was mine. Okay, yep. Uh, ah, role play took place in uh, the dressing room of Bergdorf's. Uh, while she was trying on lingerie, I would burst in. Hold on. I, th- this is just too uncanny for me. Um, I, I just, when I heard this, I was like, so how often are rapes taking place in the fitting room of the lingerie department at Bergdorf Goodman? Now, full disclosure. I used to be a manager for Victoria's Secret. I used to work at the Victoria's Secret, which is our largest store at South Shore Plaza in Braintree. I had probably a dozen different occasions where I had to escort men and women out of the fitting rooms who men would go in the fitting room with women. This I, I caught someone having sex in a fitting room. It, at Victoria's Secret, but these were willing participants, and I so I can I guess right, I could see this is a place where things could happen for some people because I've seen it happen. I've had to escort people out. I've had men that would go into the fitting room with their wives, and then I'd knock on the door and say, "Sir, you can't be in there." He's like, "I just want to look at my wife," and I'd be like, "You got to come out." He'd come out. I'd walk away, come right back, and there he was again, back in the fitting room. I, I mean, it, it. I'm not going to say it happened frequently, but you know, in my five years as a manager for Victoria's Secret, maybe a dozen times. Um, but how often are people getting uh, raped in the lingerie fitting room at Bergdorf Goodman? How often is this happening? I think it's ex- like extremely obscure. I think that it is uh, not a coincidence. I would venture to say that she saw this and came up with the idea from this. I'm going to take it a step further. Back in 2012, in January of 2012, when this um, episode aired, this episode would come on after The Apprentice and E.J. Carroll has been on record as saying that she was obsessed with watching The Apprentice and she watched, she never missed an episode. So is it not possible that E. Jean Carroll was obsessed with Trump and watched The Apprentice one night and then after The Apprentice saw this episode and came up with this plan in her head that she was going to accuse Trump. I mean, she happened to be in Bergdorf Goodman the same time he was there. She ran into him. She talks about how she was uh, she was enthralled. It was thrilling to be with him in Bergdorf Goodman. She talks about how exciting it was and how fun and, and all of these things. And then somehow it turns bad and he rapes her in a fitting room. We're also going to talk about why he wasn't convicted or or, um, found to be liable or responsible for rape, um, the difference between that and a sexual assault. But just hear me out on this theory. This is, you know what I mean? I just, it's too, it's too much of a coincidence. I'm going to play it one more time. Then we're going to take a break. Did anyone want to role play a rape with you in a public place? Yes, there was one a bit plain and. It was not her fantasy, it was mine. Okay, yep. Uh, role play took place in uh, the dressing room of Bergdorf's. Uh, while she was trying on lingerie, I would... You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. We're going to break this down again because I have another thing I need to say about this. If I were the attorney for Donald Trump, I would have found this. And then I would have gone over to the police department and I would have said... 
I need to know how many times somebody over the past 30 years has been accused of or assaulted uh, in the fitting room in the lingerie department at Bergdorf. Get the data. Show that this doesn't happen. This is just too weird. Why Trump's attorneys didn't even do this kind of digging? Like, pay attention to what Turtle Boy's talking about with this Canton story and do your job. What a mess. And did it hurt Trump that he didn't show up because they threw that in his face and said that he wouldn't even show up because he was ashamed and he knew he was guilty or it backfired. All right, let's take a break. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back after this. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM. One's on the left, left, the other on the right. Right. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast Tonight, here on WBSM. We're talking about how um, Donald Trump was found responsible for uh, not rape in the civil case brought to him by former columnist E. Jean Carroll in a Manhattan courtroom today. The jury had this case for three hours, came back, and of course, in New York, they found him guilty. Why wouldn't they? Uh, this would be, uh, from what I've, I've read, the first time that a president, either uh, current or former uh, has been convicted of uh, sexual assault. Add it to his resume. I mean, they are just, they are piling it up. And every time something like this happens, I can't help but think that they just want to, no matter what happens, they just want to make sure that the history books just have nothing but bad things to say about President Trump. I have to think that over time, over decades, that it will not be interpreted that way and that people will be able to, you know, look back and say that the time that Trump was our president was a great time for our country. But I, you know, I, I have children in school. I can't help but think that history books and the way that this is going to be taught to our children in the future and our grandchildren and their children is going to be, you know, this was the president for four years and look at all of these things. He, I mean, remember the big deal about these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago and what they did to him and, you know, they, he's not there and they go into, I mean, they just are just layering it on and on and on and on. And I guess the only thing I can say is that he, it almost doesn't, it doesn't on the surface look like it affects him. I'm sure it does. But, I mean, it's almost like no matter what they throw at him, it doesn't matter. He's still going. He doesn't doesn't affect him. His popularity has not, you know, it hasn't been affected, I would say, by anything that they've done. It's... To me, this this particular piece, the timing of it, I mean, E. Jean Carroll is a Democrat. She is a liberal. She, her camp, her campaign, it's it's like a campaign. Her um, 
prosecution or her her attorneys surrounding the prosecution of Donald J. Trump are uh, big companies that support uh, Democratic candidates. Um, and the timing of it, uh, you know, 30 years after the fact, after he became president, not to mention she also accused former CBS executive Les Moonves of sexual assault in another public location in an elevator. Um, and uh, like I said the last time, does does E. Jean Carroll not get uh, sexually assaulted by garbage men? Why is it only multimillionaires, famous multimillionaires? Why is she constantly in a place or a space where very, very wealthy men physically and sexually assault her? And that is totally victim shaming. Yes, 100 percent. Why are you, are you kidding me? And both times you've never reported them. You never told the police. You never did anything. Give me a break. You know, one of the other things that drives me absolutely crazy about this. She talked about how she when during her testimony, she said it basically made it so that she could never be intimate with a man again. Right. It was so traumatic for her that she could not be with a man again. It basically ended her uh, ability to be in a, a functioning relationship. Um, but it didn't stop her to going into Bergdorf Goodman's actually, because in her interview with Anderson Cooper, and I'm going to play not this clip, but another clip from this. In this interview with Anderson Cooper, she talks about how, oh, I was just at Bergdorf today. I love Bergdorf. It's beautiful. It's so posh. It's so luxurious. I love it. I was just there today, she said. And this is in 2019 or 2020, she said this. Why would you go back to the same place where you were so tra- traumatized? How could you how could you walk around Bergdorf and not be triggered by the trauma of the president raping you 30 years ago? It was so traumatic you can't have a relationship with a man, but you can go back repeatedly time and time again to the same place where this crime occurred? You weren't triggered by that? I mean, not only that, you sound like you love it. It's your favorite place. You were just there today. It's all BS. And and keep in mind, this this SUV, um, oh, SVU, <laughs> how many times have we done that? Um, this SVU uh, storyline uh, is just too much of a coincidence for me. It is literally about uh, a rape fantasy that a woman had or a guy had about raping a woman in the lingerie section fitting room of Bergdorf Goodman. And then if you recall, um, this is uh, E. Jean Carroll talking about her own situation with Anderson Cooper. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not this was not sexual. It just it it hurt. It just what it just, you know, well, I think most people think of rape as a I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. Don't you find that to be, I mean, before I knew about the Law and Order episode, I found that to be an extremely peculiar response. She said she felt most people think of rape as a fantasy. Think of the fantasies. She specifically is talking about exactly what was in this TV show. And I just, it's too coincidental. And I think really the shame of this is some woman 
who is backed by the people who want to hurt the president, was used to come forward with this accusation so that they could just add it to Trump's resume leading into 2024 and say, you know what? All the other things that he's done, he is also a rapist. And this woman, who is bat crazy, is the perfect person to do it. Um, and and I'm actually looking forward to hearing her speak if she ever does again. She might just go back, you know, to where she crawled out of. But to hear her speak, I think sometimes when you have these people saying these things, uh, they slip up and they're going to say things just like she did in this uh, Anderson Cooper thing. Let's take our break. 508-996-0500. I'm Jess. I'm filling in for Marcus and Chris. And you're listening to South Coast Tonight on 1420 WBSM. All right, besties. We're coming to the end of the first hour of the show. Uh, we were just kind of finishing up. Um, the discussion about this E. Jean Carroll case, which is really just another, um, you know, piece of uh, work by the Democrats in this country to tarnish the legacy of Donald J. Trump. Uh, it It is obvious that the president is going to appeal the decision that came down today in a Manhattan courthouse. Other uh, jurors had this case for less than three hours and then came back. And of course, they found him um, responsible for sexual assault. By the way, the reason why, and I'm, and, you know, I was reading and watching this. There's really no other way to get gra- without getting graphic. He didn't. They did not find him um, responsible for rape because she could not actually tell whether or not he had, you know, raped her. Um, she couldn't tell if there was a, a, a specific act uh, had taken place. She said she couldn't see. And so therefore they could not find him responsible for rape uh, because they were not sure if it was uh, an appendage or his fingers or what have you. So they found him responsible for sexual abuse or assault. I can't remember which one, but not rape. Um, I think it just really aligns with the fact that she made the story up um, and she has no idea what she's talking about. And she, they didn't go into the script writers at SVU didn't go into too detail um, about how this all went down in Bergdorf. So she just kind of winged it and said she didn't know. Isn't it crazy? I'm worried for my son that he could potentially be in the wrong place at the wrong time, get accused of uh, rape and get convicted of it uh, because people just listen to these women. Uh, And it's a very dangerous place to be for men in this country right now where you have no proof, no evidence. It is literally just your word from something that occurred 30 years ago that you don't remember the date or the time. 